0: Hello and welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast, where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Aaliyah, and today I'm here with Burke and Rivka. How are you guys?
1: Doing great.
0: Yep. (laughs) Good. What's life like? What have you been up to lately?
1: Well, Rivka had a birthday this week, so Mm -hmm. she has had a week-long celebration of... The joy of her existence, uh, culminating sure. today Excellent. in a trip for many different kinds of pie. So, yeah
0: a good day.
2: Birthday pie.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> Sounds better than birthday cake. I'm not a huge fan of cake, honestly. So me either. That's why I do birthday pie. <laughs> I usually do birthday brownies, actually. Ooh, so <laughs> that's good too, and alliterative. Mm, nicely done. Yes, yes. that's true. Alliteration is always fun. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to be reading or talking about Christlike Poise by Elder Mark A. Bragg of the Seventy. So this was a fun one. Um, And when I listened to this conference the first time, like live, I was listening to it in Spanish because I was on my mission with the ward. And I did not catch the word poise. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It does have a Spanish equivalent, but I had never heard it before. Um, and and <laughs> when you put it into the dictionary it translates to composure instead of poise so anyways I, I just missed this whole talk basically on the, the first time around so it was really good to, to read it again um in you know in words that I can understand so you pretty much just described um, my
1: entire mission so
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a great time yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so let's start with the fundamental doctrine. Rivka, what did you pull out from this talk?
2: Well, um, I guess I will just start with this quote that is actually from his father's coach, Coach John Wooden, who was, um, (laughs) apparently a legendary uh, basketball coach for UCLA, but I don't know anything about that. So I'll take his word for it, but he said he would come over to their house when um, he was younger and when he was a senior in high school, um, they had the coach and his wife over for dinner and this is what the coach said to him. Your father told me that you have joined the church of Jesus Christ, so I know that you have faith in the Lord. With that faith, be sure to have poise in every situation. Be a good man in a storm. And then he says, over the years, that uh, conversation stuck with me. That counsel to be calm, cool, and collected in all situations, particularly in times of adversity and pressure, resonated with me. So he's kind of introducing... So, I mean, I guess I guess the the underlying doctrine here is... Is about, um, poise. He calls it Christ-like poise, and I, for me, as I was reading through this, um, it's sa- it read to me very much like poise is an aspect of meekness, like Elder Bednar talked about mm-hmm. in the talk we discussed um a few months back, and so this whole this whole talk to me is um helps me understand as helps me understand better the quality of meekness and this aspect of it which is um to to be calm and cool and collected um in all situations particularly in time of adversity and pressure he later quotes president nelson who says it's a matter of extreme self discipline so that mm-hmm. that meekness angle for me
0: yeah i totally picked up on that um, I did a fairly in-depth study on meekness while I was on my mission, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot about it. And the same thing when I was listening to this talk, I was like, "Oh, this sounds like he's describing meekness." So yeah, it was really so cool. So
2: I I liked that there was like a secondary word than like poise. I don't know because mm-hmm. we're trying to understand meekness, which has this different connotation generally in English. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was helpful to. So I appreciate that he he added the word poise to the list of words that helped me understand what the attribute of meekness is. Yeah.
0: And he even kind of gave it more of a visual aspect in talking about sports and, and athletes having poise. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I grew up playing um, basketball and volleyball and softball. And so I understand that the the, the pressure that happens and the frustration that can happen and, you know, bad calls by the referee like we feel like or <laughs> frustrating playing a team that's way better than me or something so yeah it does it does speak understanding that that frustration and athletics and being like okay how do I be cool and not lose my temper when I'm really frustrated so yeah
0: mm-hmm. it's
2: helpful awesome all right
0: Burke what did you pick up on from this talk
1: well, I marked exactly the same area because clearly that was the basic doctrine of this talk. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I don't have a whole lot to add other than I agreed with everything you already said. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that Rivka and I both texted Todd during this Talk and we're like, hey, sounds like meekness. So, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, oh.
1: I went back and looked at the text this morning because I was like, I think it was during this talk, and it That's
2: was so funny. Yeah, I love when I have the same insight that past me had, but it feels new all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's well,
1: like well, it's funny because I was listening to the, the
2: eighth time. <laughs> yeah,
1: because <laughs> I was listening to the talk and I was like, I'm gonna text Todd, and then like your text went in right before mine, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to <into> it.
1: <laughs> well, because we had just texted in I think the week right before that about more about our discussion of, of meekness and humility. And yeah.
2: so, yeah, it was ongoing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because meekness is not something that I ever consciously thought, Oh, I need more of that. You know, I, in my more recently, because it's been talked about more, it's something I thought about more, but this idea of poise and what he says, Christ-like poise here." This was an attribute that I have thought about and tried to work on for years. So I was, guess I was working on meekness, and I didn't even know it. so
0: Nice. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, I wouldn't necessarily this is I wow, would, well, I wouldn't necessarily say this is the main doctrine of the talk, but it does supplement and it is doctrine. So I highlighted, um, in addition to redeeming us from sin, the Savior can strengthen us in our weaknesses, fears, and challenges in this life. And so um, with this idea of trying to develop uh, Christ-like poise or meekness or however you want to say it, um, the Savior is the source of that. And right above it, it references Alma chapter 7, which I think I swear that's been mentioned in like 50% of the talks from this conference. It's just (laughs) everywhere. Alma 7. So if you haven't read that, I guess this is your hint to go read it. (laughs) Like if you haven't read it recently. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was what I pulled out was that if we want to develop meekness or Christ like poise or self-discipline, then it has to come through the Savior. And he's the one that can help us do that. So... Um, all right. Well, let's open it up to just anything that stood out to you. So
2: let's start with Rivka. Again. Okay. Um, well, he talks about, he says, of course the savior is the ultimate example of poise. And then he says, Jesus demonstrated three important conditions that help us understand his great poise. Um, first, he knew who he was and was true to his divine mission. Next, he knew there was a great plan of happiness. And finally, he knew that through his infinite atonement, all who faithfully yoke themselves to him by making and keeping sacred covenants received through priesthood ordinances will be saved. Um, and gives an example and when Peter cuts the ear off of <laughs> the guy in the New Testament, which is... Mm-hmm. A very relatable um, feeling, you know. I feel like we could all yeah. be like, "This guy's a jerk. He get he, you know, he deserves it." And the savior's like, "No," and heals it. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, "Jesus Christ's reaction on the other hand was to keep his poise and to bring calm to a tense situation by mm. healing Malchus." Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's three things that. But then he goes on to talk about these um, three conditions that, or yeah, three things that Jesus knew, basically, that were foundational in his testimony that helped him to be able to have this poise. So maybe I'll just mention something from the first one, and then you guys can take away, take it away on the other two. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one, he said, know who you are and be true to your divine identity. Christ-like poise requires that we avoid comparing ourselves to others or pretending (laughs) to be someone we're not. Um, And then he says, it is just not possible to have divine poise without knowing that we are divine sons and daughters of a loving heavenly father, which is true. So yeah, (laughs) avoiding comparing ourselves to others is a really hard thing to do. Um, But it makes sense that this would be, Um, this would be a thing that we would avoid if we're trying to have poise because comparison tends to breed feelings of, um, either failure and inadequacy or arrogance. And both of those, I think, tend to cause, um, I don't know what's the word, like maybe harsher interactions or harsher reactions to things that happen. And mm-hmm. so if we're not, if, if we are being conscious of that and we are, and we're authentic to ourselves, we can respond better in situations and keep our poise better, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of being authentic to yourself. And in this case, Specifically, authentic to your true self, your divine self. Your divine self, uh, because you could yeah. you could go along the natural man lines and react in not a very poised way, <laughs> but the the divine being inside us would be uh, poised in situations that are harsher.
2: Yeah, I think any sort of comparison that we do really just places us in a position of competition with other people. Mm-hmm. And so back to the sports analogy, as the competition feels more severe, the more likely we are to, or the more difficult it is to remain calm and composed. And so if we're not viewing every interaction we have with people or every situation uh, with a competitive lens, then it is, then it's easier. So it's really just Mm -hmm. pulling the competition out of it. Because like you said, this is this is the divine aspect of us and when it comes to like our covenant path it, there is no competition we're the only one walking our covenant path you mm-hmm. know we don't have to do it better than somebody else to get into heaven because there's there's just no competition it's not a competitive activity exaltation <laughs> so right. yeah 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 so don't bring in the competition to it I guess that's number 1 <laughs> <laughs> step
0: number 1 just don't <laughs> just don't <laughs> Is there anything that you have done or thought about or studied or or whatever that has helped you to avoid comparing yourself to others? <laughs> like,
2: I don't know, millions of things, because it's something I struggle with, you know? I'm always like, how do I do this? And there's all kinds of ideas out there, you know, meditation and self-acceptance or radical acceptance or things like that. But I think for me, the most effective practice has been exactly this. When I step away from worldly endeavors and worldly influences, and I immerse myself in the influence that is brought by the Holy Ghost, I think because it's, because the Holy Ghost exists in a realm where that, there is no competitiveness in that way, it just calms everything down. And I can see myself more clearly because I have the spirit with me and, um, and the spirit can testify, um, of our divine nature and of our divine value. And so the reminder of my personal value in God's eyes and that his opinion of me is really the only one that matters is the most helpful for me.
0: Hmm. So feeling the spirit more and remembering your relationship to Heavenly Father helps you to avoid comparing yourself. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was the first of the three. Uh, Know who you are and be true to your divine identity. So, Burke, do you want to do the second or the third one?
1: (laughs) Uh, I can take either. I'm happy to do the second one, but I did want to read one other thing um, before I do that. And it's earlier okay. in the talk because he brings up the importance of poise and obviously we've been talking about it. And he brings up this other point that we've talked about in other talks, but how, and I'll just read what he says. Poise is not spoken about much these days and practiced even less in turbulent and divisive times. And I think of how in our society, especially in kind of the social media space, um, you know, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, whatever—it's almost celebrated to get angry and lose your temper. Mm-hmm. Like I hear people talk about something happened. They're like, "Oh, I just went off on her you know, "I got ready to throw hands or whatever it is," yeah. and <laughs> yeah. people celebrate, you know, getting in your face and getting aggressive and being angry. And that's not what we really should be doing. And so I like that he was invited early on in his life by this coach to be like, "Hey, you know, whatever." Whatever else happens, you need to develop this ability to not go the easy way, I think he's what he's saying, because it is easier to just let your temper rule. And so I like that he pointed out in our time, we're going to see a lot of poor examples of, uh, I guess, what not to do, good examples of what not to do. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, so the second point here, we move on to that, was know that there is a divine plan. He says, remembering there is a grand plan engenders courage and poise in challenging conditions. And then later says poise comes when we see things from an eternal perspective. And this is really just an extension of, of what you guys were talking about already is that if you see, um, I guess, the people around you as being important in an, and part of the eternal plan and all these things in your life that come together to help you learn and grow and become more Christ-like, then you stop looking for opportunities, like Rivka said, to compete or to belittle those around you. Um, Cause I think so often when we get into a situation and we lose our poise, it's because we are wanting to show our superiority over those around us. Um, Especially in anything that's confrontational. And Christ is really isn't all that worried with us trying to be more superior than anyone around us. He wants us to individually to work on being more like him. And so understanding your place in the divine plan and that I guess we're expected to not know everything and to not be good at everything. And it's not something you should feel embarrassed about. Um, I feel like I'm saying a lot of the things you guys already talked about, but that, yeah, you need, you need to see the, the grand scheme of things. President Nelson would call this, um, avoiding being myopic. Don't be too nearsighted. You want to see the long plan and realize, and realize as well that, you know, this moment might be really hard, but with, with help and direction, you're going to get through it. And, and later it will be more fun to look back on it and be like, wow, I handled that well. And then to will look back on it and go, oh, I got to apologize for how I treated those people. And I sp- <laughs> feel like in my life, I've spent a lot more time in the second part of that than in the first part. Um, so, I, yeah. And, and there's an example he'll bring up, or maybe it's earlier in here. Anyway, where he talks about President Nelson in a medical setting, having something that was very emergent happen and him handling it in a calm and cool manner. And I've seen <laughs> really good examples of that in the medical field. And I've seen some really... Good examples of what not to do, and when I was in those situations, I always really looked up to the people who hand, handled things calmly and professionally so
0: yeah um it going back to what Rivka said earlier about when Peter um, cut off the man's ear, she said something along the lines of um, because Christ healed him, he was able to help bring uh you know some calm some goodness into a tense situation uh and just like you said burke like you've you've been in situations where there's been the both kinds of people and you Mm. would rather be around the the people who aren't gonna throw a scalpel across the room (laughs) you know like um it's it's just better for everyone involved if there are people present who are going to be meek and calm and collected instead of you know throw a temper tantrum.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, for me personally, I have handled situations in both ways. And when I handle them in the temper tantrum way, I never feel great about it later. (laughs) I never feel like it was something to celebrate. So.
0: Right. Awesome. Okay. The third one, third point is know the enabling power of Jesus Christ and his atonement. So that's the third thing we know. Um, And I read a quote from this earlier, but I think this to me is just a reaffirmation that my life experience is true, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, I've just seen over and over and over again, the power that Christ's atonement has in helping us overcome our weaknesses. Um, It is not only possible, but, but expected. Like that's, the savior's job <laughs> he's really good at it <laughs> um yeah. and so he can help us to make our make covenants and to keep them and uh he'll help us out he's not going to leave us alone to just try and have poise on our own uh because he wants us to have it he wants us to have the blessings from it so any other thoughts to add on those three points
1: well, I think as part of that um, being tied up in the enabling power of Jesus Christ and the atonement is this is something you absolutely can pray for. Thank goodness, because yes. I have prayed for it many times. And I think over the years, I hope I have gotten better. I still have room to improve, um, but I like that aspect of it.
2: Yeah, it's a really important way in which his, the, uh, his enabling power helps us to overcome our natural man tendencies. Because that's so much of what we're talking about here that is being fought, is just our our tendency toward comparing and and what you were talking about earlier, Burke, like the, like this glorified confrontation yeah. that seems to be valued in the world and valued by our natural man, and sometimes. That confrontation is with ourselves, and sometimes the belittling happens with ourselves too. I think it can turn internally as well um, when mm-hmm. we're comparing. Yeah. So, yeah. well, and
1: how how the natural man really has two options when confronted with a really hard situation, and that's fight or flight. But this isn't yeah. either of those. <laughs> this is right. this is stand and be calm and deal with it the way God wants you to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not natural.
0: Doesn't not quite the same ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Well, there's only a couple paragraphs that we haven't covered. So Rivka, what else stood out to you in this talk?
2: Well, I, so he shares this story about Peter, um, or not, sorry about, I mean, Peter was probably there, but the apostles and, uh, when the savior is napping and they're out fishing and the storm comes up on the sea of Galilee. And they start to panic because rightly so. I think in the footnotes, he kind of, let's see, he quotes from Elder Holland, who talks about these apostles. He said, the men on board with him, 11 of the original 12 were Galileans, meaning they were from the area. Six of the 11 were fishermen. They'd lived on this lake. They'd made their living by fishing on it. They'd been there since they were children. Their fathers had been mending nets and making repairs on the boats when they were very young. They know this sea. They know the winds and the waves. They are experienced men, but they are terrified. And if they are afraid, this is a legitimate storm. So I love Elder Holland. He always helps to bring in some illustration. And so they go and wake the Savior up because they're really panicked about this boat sinking. And he, we know, of course, he gets up and he calms the winds and the waves and the storm Settles. And then he asks his apostles why they were afraid, and you know, why why they're showing this lack of faith. And Elder Bragg says, he was reminding them that he was the savior of the world and that he was sent by the Father to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of God's children. Surely the Son of God would not perish on a boat. And it's so funny to read that because we're like, yeah, obviously, what were they worried about? Which I think is why I liked what Elder Holland had to say, because th- this was legitimate. This is They'd probably seen ships sunk, boats sunk in storms like this. And when I pull this out of that New Testament world and, and think about myself and storms that I've experienced or storms that I have watched other people go through, they're scary when you're in them. And, you know, I think by the, by virtue of the way that trials are meant to be, they push us to, to the limits sometimes of, of our faith and of our, our trust. And so it seems easy on the outside to be like, of course, the son of God isn't going to, you know, drown if this boat goes down, but maybe they were like, well, that's fine at all, but it doesn't mean I won't drown if this boat goes down you know, Jesus is the only one that needs to live here. Right.
1: And (laughs) and remembering as well that not all that long after this, you know, within the next year or two, Christ is also going to just get condemned and crucified, which they also at that point don't believe is possible. So I, a little bit, have always been tempted to kind of side with the apostles on this one and be like, just like you said, like, yeah, Christ may not die today, but we still might die today.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand it. And then the, the, point that elder, elder brog makes is great because he said that the one of the reasons or he suggests that the that here jesus exemplifies divine poise which he could do because he knew of his divinity and he knew there was a plan of salvation and exaltation and he knew what his role in it would be and so because he had those understandings he didn't have to worry that the ship was going to sink. Um. And, you know, aside from being able to calm the storm, but those things helped him be able to be um, calm and controlled in the middle of something legitimately scary and potentially life-threatening. And that's a good lesson for me.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting for me that um, in that setting, clearly Christ knew he wasn't going to die right then. So, of course, he could have poise. And I kind of told him that to myself, like, yeah, easy for him, you know, hard for me yeah. in that same situation. But at the same time, he brings up earlier in the talk in the Garden of mm-hmm. Gethsemane, and this was a setting where Christ knew he wasn't going to get out of it, but yeah. he still went through it in exactly the same way. So he behaved the same in both those situations, even when it was clearly very hard. And I think even scary for him, he still went ahead and took care of it and did it in much the same way.
2: So. Yeah. Yep. Really good point. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright. Well, let's run over the invitations and promise blessings. Um, I didn't pull out a whole lot, but there is one in the very end of the talk. Uh, he says, May we seek the blessings of Christ like poise. So that's the invitation. Then the promise blessing is uh to help ourselves in challenging times and to bless others and help them through the storms in their lives. So we kind of talked about this with the stories in the New Testament, how um, experiencing or, or exemplifying that Christ like poise was able to help either the individual who was being that way or the people around them. Uh, and of course, that applies in normal daily life situations and not just when we are on a boat or when someone's ear got cut off. <laughs> <laughs> are there any other invitations and blessings that you guys uh, highlighted?
1: I marked exactly the same one, but I did want to just go a little bit further on that one. It talks about helping others because I think about so many times in my life when I've been in a situation where I saw someone who was a great example of this and how grateful I was for the calming influence it has. You know, when something hard is going on and someone there is like, oh, we can handle this, then it's easier for everyone involved and you can kind of lean on them a little bit. And after those situations, how much I've always thought, wow, I hope that someday I can be that for somebody else where something scary is happening, but they can look to me and be like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Cause, cause he's got this. So
0: yeah, and I like that. That I is one that. of the blessings
1: promised here. If you do these things.
0: Perfect.
2: Rivka, any last words? um just that paragraph right before he says it is through christ and his atonement that all good things come into our lives as we remember who we are knowing that there is a divine plan of mercy and drawing courage in the strength of the lord we can do all things we will find calm and i love that blessing if we do this we will find calm even if the situation is turbulent (laughs) yeah
0: Inner calm, inner peace, like Kung Fu Panda would say.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) That's a really good summary of that sentence you just read. Summary of the whole talk.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Okay, well, next time we will be discussing the talk Focus on Jesus Christ by Brother Milton Camargo of the first, or he's the first counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency. Uh, and that is also a very good talk. And so I'm, we're very excited to talk about that one. But until then, you can reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at Words of the Prophets Podcast, or you can email us at words of wordsoftheprophetspodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.